Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a de beer. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another week. We're the show that's getting you over the advantage line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. Uh, my name's Reg Roberts, joining you in a joyous week for Australian rugby. Joining me tonight, uh, two of the big guns in Matt Rowley and Hugh Cavill. Before I speak to you individually, guys, can I get a cooey from you both? McKenna, kind of three, one, two, three. Cooey! How good was that, Matt? You were at the game. Did you... Yeah, enjoy that sort of welcome to country. JB's given us a bit of flack over it in the past, but I think even he was won over by that one. Oh, I was cooing my ass off, mate. It was brilliant. It was great. I thought it was a great idea. And I think someone else, um, was it Ian Payton on Twitter or someone like that, said we should do it after the Harker. I think it's a just, cracking idea, yeah. Just to take the air out of the tyres a bit there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. But better than Waltzing Matilda or something like that. Um Mr. Cavill, how did it come across on the TV screen? Oh, bloody fantastic, I've got to say. It's, I mean, the Welcome to Country, I think the thing is it depends on, on, on the person that's doing it. Some of them can be, you know, yeah, to, yeah. I respect the tradition and everything, but some can be a bit tedious um, and, you know, go on a little bit long. But, but, but that bloke there, I mean, he should be on retainer to do every one. I, I suppose he can't because of the territories and the, the nations yeah. that are involved in each in each particular stadium. But certainly the ones that that can follow him can really learn from the way that he did it. He was he was engaging. He involved the crowd. He he was he was short and sharp. And and the best part of that I thought was we, he finished with a big go of the Wallabies. And of course, you know yeah. we, that that's, that should be the, the sentiment as well. So I thought I thought that was um that was the model for all all who follow um on a number of levels. So um I I. I I don't know that gentleman's name, but whoever he is, um, bloody legend. Yeah, no, he is fantastic. Um, uh, I agree. We'll get on to burning questions yet, but I, I do want to just talk about your experiences at the game or watching the game. I know you had both had quite different ones. Um, Matt, you were up here in Brisbane. You were there. What do you feel of the vibe and so on? It was a interesting setup, rainy day, um, but you know, it, it still felt like a great, good atmosphere and a decent enough crowd. They did, mate. Yeah, I mean, was it forty, forty odd thousand? Forty-five or something. Yeah, forty-five was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's not bad for Suncor, is it? Um, it's a, it's a, yeah. You, 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 it felt like there was a good crowd. Um, didn't, but didn't feel overstuffed as far as you could get a beer and all of that. But no, look, I thought it was great, and everyone got stuck right into it. It was great when Reese Hodge opening up with that try just. Yep. Yeah, meant, meant that you knew it was going to be, you know, that there was going to be a game of it. Um, oh, look, I, and I don't want. To, look, we're, we're going to talk about yeah. the Indigenous jersey later on. I, yeah, so we, we'll get stuck into that. But yeah, I mean, it was a fan, absolutely fantastic feeling. And um, I'll tell you what, though, I haven't heard so many Kiwi supporters so quiet <laughs> coming out of the ground for a while. That was absolutely brilliant. Not not one person slapping me on the back and telling me how they wish Australian rugby was just more competitive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no one beats the Wallabies 20, 20 times in a row and gets away with it. They, they should know that by now. Um, Hugh, what about you? You had a bit of a different experience? Yeah, I did, actually. So I um, I had uh, um, agreed to go to dinner at my girlfriend's house, her family's, her grandma's house, to be precise, and, and, if not, and um, they didn't have the rugby on, and I knew that was the case, and so I had the game on record and sort of planned I'd, I'd, I'd watch it when I got home. But it, the dinner ran a bit later than I thought, and I was pretty tired and didn't want to sort of half-ass the game. So I thought, well, look, I'll play it safe, you know, turn the phone on, on, on turn the phone off and get through to the morning and watch it then. And, and the plan was working okay. And then I got home and, and um, my Irish housemate was, was downstairs watching it and reacting oh. quite quite vocally to all of the <laughs> highs and lows. So I was there lying upstairs in bed trying to, trying to sleep with him sort of, yeah, riding the waves of the game. And I'm I'm analysing each and every cry going, I wonder what that means. Is that the All Blacks scoring? Is that the Wallabies? I don't know what it, you know, oh, I, could, I was, I was, I was thinking it was all All Black flick passes and sensational tries. But um, anyway, so then I got to the next morning and got to watch it, um, watch it there. And, and um, yeah, it was, it was an amazing feat for me, I think, to get through that, that distance of time without, amazing. without yeah, yeah. <laughs> hearing the score. Um, but also, um, it was, um, yeah, just, just, and then obviously the, the, the game itself and uh, it was, it was a pretty happy Sunday from, from that point on. Yeah, yeah. 
That's great. It's interesting. I got to be, uh, I was lucky enough to be in the, the, the media box. So I was covering it from Green and Gold, obviously. And it's an interesting place. I know you guys have experienced it. It's an interesting place in a game like that in the media box, isn't it? Because you're not meant to be too parochial, you know, um, whereas many times, you know, you want to be up there cheering and abusing and all that sort of stuff. You may let the odd thing slip, but you're meant to be somewhat professional in in your, your approach, and there are always a couple of Kiwis um, uh, or foreign overseas uh, journos in there with you, so you, you have to be careful. But it was really hard that game in, in those last few minutes, and particularly with that Hodge kick, we'll get to. Um, you know, I think the journos all let slip a little bit, and particularly the ARU media guys who have been long suffering um, ARU media guys for a, a while. They uh, they enjoyed that release at the end too. So that was epic. And, and look, let's get into it. So we've got five burning questions tonight. Um, and the first one is, uh, where did the Wallabies win that match? Question two, we'll talk about the individual performance. Who is the best on field? And what does that mean going forward from a team selection? Are we happy with where we are? Question three, we've got the Barbars match this weekend. And in fact, I think there's a game tonight. I'm not quite sure what happened. But what's the point of this Barbars game this weekend? Um, and uh, question four, the Indigenous jersey. Yeah, should that be full-time? Should we be seeing that in every test match we play? And question five, one of the big news stories this week is that Izzy Folau won't tour um, on the spring tour. Is, is that a big loss? Is that the right or wrong thing? So um, we'll see how we go with that. All right, so question one, guys. Uh, where did the Wallabies win that match? What's, what's, what turned things around, Matt? What about you from your perspective? How did we win that one? Mate, actually, uh, I rewatched that on uh, Monday night, um, and I really needed to because the memory was a little bit blurry. <laughs> but um, yeah, there was a, a four-minute uh, period, really, around half time, uh, where you know that, that that second try to Izzy Falau, which was yeah. like a thirty-ninth minute. Um, and I, you go back and you watch that. We went through twelve phases to go seventy meters. Um, to score that try, it was amazing, and you know, it just showed. I think by the end of that try, you could see the, the All Blacks just kind of jogging after um, him into that corner, like you know, we'd absolutely just gone through the middle of them. So, I think that had kind of um, really had its impact in there. You know, they knew they were in for a rough ride from in their, in defence, but then it was in, you know, in this forty second minute, um, the All Blacks had ended up in our basically camped in our twenty two. And we're sort of hamming her away. And then, um, you, know, uh, you know, Michael Hooper made that uh, made a turnover and um, we were out again. And so I think that turnaround where, you know, that try in the 39th minute just getting us to a point behind so that, you know, it was pretty much even going into the half time, And then, you know, not yielding that early try, that's what changed that match um, from my perspective. Yeah, I think you're bang on. Isn't that interesting? I mean, and I remember sort of, yeah, formulating my match review or like at least a half-time update uh, in my mind and like you know, with about five minutes of going saying this is you know this is a pretty average te- you know, performance so far we're, we're getting bitten at the rucks there's too much drop ball and we're you know ill-disciplined and you don't beat the All Blacks when you play average footy you know if you're not a chance and, and we've seen those occasions when the All Blacks are on top of their aren't on top of their game and you see that's an opportunity unless you take advantage of it you know it's it's a it's those chances come once a generation type thing, and yeah, I was frustrated. And then, you know, a few of us said, I think in the in the press box was, you know, the five minutes ago. This is the key time. This is when the All Blacks, you know, will take this game or, or could take this game away from it. But instead, exactly like you said, mate, we marched the way all the way upfield, um, and, and and Izzy went over. And it would, it, I agree, that changed the complexion of the match. But you make a really good point in terms of our ability to turn them around. Because, again, I don't think we started that second half well, but uh, until Hooper sort of snaffled that turnover and sort of relieved that pressure. So that was a huge moment. And then you could see that intensity lift in that second half and our performance sort of was a lot more improved that second half. It was great to watch. Well, uh, Hugh, from your well, perspective, um, sorry, go on, mate. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, and, then following, and then following that, um, it was just because between about the 50th and 60th mark, the, the all-black discipline just went absolutely to shit. Yep. Um, and they absolutely, you know, they just lost it. And that's when Dane Coles, um, I'm disappointed my, uh, my question didn't get in there, but, um, <laughs> which it, my question would have been, is there a bigger dickhead in world rugby than Dane Coles right now? Um, and actually Jamie Miller had a pretty good contentious point there, <laughs> um, about who, who might uh, vie with him for that. Yep. But 
you know, he was an Aaron was, Smith fan, mate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, the, the pushing and shoving, the penalties. I'm surprised they didn't get more of a warning for some offside. You know, it just just seemed to be offside after offside after offside, and some red zones as well. But um, yeah, they just looked uncharacteristically rattled. I thought, and you know, that was pretty much directly after you know um, we turned that game around. So yeah, for me, it was just that that exact that point in the match, you just kind of felt, yeah, they, they realised it wasn't going to be all their way. Yeah, and Coles is famous for that sort of stuff, isn't he, in terms of that little niggle. But I, I, I think you're right. I think, because he's not on top of his game. He's not as the best he was. And I reckon he's feeling the pressure there, both in the performance and, and knowing the Wallabies were getting on top, but also with his own game, because he was doing some even more ludicrous stuff than normal. Like the All Blacks, again, they, they love the clear out past the mall or past the ruck sort of thing. You know, drop. But... Coles, they were just doing it at ridiculous levels and, you know, we've seen some of the clips of the, the knees and Kurtley and all that sort of stuff. He was just going above and beyond and I think that was just pure frustration. Um, mm. Hugh, sorry, mate, what about you from your perspective? What were those key moments or what was the change in us that, that saw us take that game? Well, look, a couple of things. Firstly, I mean, picking up on what Matt said, in terms of that period before half time, I think, you know, the team that really reminded me of actually was the All Blacks. Because, you know, even in those McCaw days, I remember, you know, multiple tests where, you know, we'd start pretty well. And in the first 30, 35 minutes, you know, we had their measure and we might get out to a lead that was, you know, 10, 6, 12, 6, 13, 6, you know, that, that sort of a, that sort of a gap. And you think going into half time, well, we might actually have them here. And then they'd switch on in that last three, four minutes of, of the half. And I, I swear if I had a dollar for every time they scored a try in that period, um, I think I'd be pretty wealthy because that was when they used to go, okay, you know, we're, we're back in this game here. And, and you'd walk off the field at half time as a Wallaby supporter thinking you had by far the best of the half. And yet you'd look at the scoreboard and you'd only be up 13-12 or 13-10 or 12-10, you know, something like that. And then all of a sudden that, you know, the lead had evaporated and, and you felt like you were really in a vulnerable position. Um, and I feel like that was what we did in reverse to the All Blacks. We were pretty, you know, off our game in that first 30, 35 minutes, but you know, we didn't let them get too far ahead of us. And then with that big play on the, on the stroke of half time, you really did feel the momentum shift. And as a Wallaby fan, you did feel like we really had a shot. At, at the victory. So that was huge, I agree. But, I mean, if I was to take a step back and, and say what generally won us the game, um, I think you've got to have a look at the game in Sydney and you have a look at the game in Brisbane. And and it was just out of fence. Um, and yep. the hits that were coming in, um, in terms of the physicality, from guys like Adam Coleman, Jack Dempsey, Tavita Kurandrani, Marika Korobiti, um, these sort of guys and, 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 and that aggression that we saw was, was so far removed from what we saw in Sydney, which was one of the most passive, weak, inaccurate performances I've ever seen from the Wallabies. And to see a, a performance where, you know, our tackle statistics, we, we made 93 and missed 11. So normally, you know, I think in that first Wallabies game, I think our tackle success rate was something around 60, 65%. And now to think in the course of a season, we've upped that to 90%, um, is, is over 90%. In fact, is something that's that's fantastic and a guy who you know we all piled on at the start of the season Nathan Gray well I've got to say you know um take a bow what what a, what a sensational performance because I mean yes it was wet weather rugby and 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 you could argue you know slightly easier to, easier to defend but our, our line speed our accuracy and and putting the All Blacks under pressure and 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 it told in that back end in that last 15-20 minutes when we saw the All Blacks getting rattled at the back guys like Damien McKenzie and 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 um, Sopawanga, and then and then you know some of the centres, Crotty and Sunny Bill, making these really well, uncharacteristic Sun- errors. Bill, yeah, Sunny Bill put a was it was Sunny Bill who put that grubber through late yeah. in the game when you know, I mean ordinarily that's that's you know meeting well, I don't know what they're saying is but it's easy money for the, the, the Kiwis they just hold that ball and they know they're going to get over. As soon as that happened, you just knew that that mentally they weren't. In the same space, and, and, and yeah, you're right. Full credit to that defence. Amazing stats. Um, MST's normal um, uh, Tuesday top five out on the blog, and it sort of really breaks down some of those key numbers. And you know, 30 missed tackles in that first test, 32 in that second test, nine in his records, 11, you know, which we've heard elsewhere. But it's a monumental change, and yeah, some of that's probably whether you're right, it, it sort of limits the, uh, I guess, the footwork on the All Blacks and so on. Two, it's, it's you know, it's clearly attitudinal. That's a big part of it. But um, three, maybe that fitness is kicking in as well. 
Yeah, I mean, oh, just yeah. Pick, I was just going to pick up on that Go mental thing that you just that you just said there was. Um, that's a complete turnaround as well. I mean, think about a year ago when we were leaking yellow cards, you know, and yeah. it was all the it was all the push and shove, you know, constantly and all the rest of it, and you know, um, you know, and, and us getting rattled. Well, the number of big hits that went on our guys. I mean, Bernard Foley must have taken the biggest hit in world rugby into his oh, rib gorgeous. by a guy who must weigh twice as much as him, um, and pretty much just got straight back up. <laughs> Um, you know, and Beal got a couple of clangers. I mean, you know, Sanchez got, um, pile, yeah. you know, piled drive. I mean, everyone took a big hit. Everyone just got freight back up. Nobody was lying on the ground or, you know, and then getting up and getting into push shove, really. Um, I mean, that was really, bizarrely enough, that was what the All Blacks were kind of left doing, to be honest. Um, that, that it's really different sort of mental makeup, I thought, for the whole team. They just seemed very, very confident and, and just knew what they needed to go about and, didn't need to go, you know, looking for, um, you know, excuses to niggle and all those sorts of things. Just looked like a very, very different team to me. And it just made me reflect on, you know, how what a difference kind of 12, 18 months seems to be making, um, you know, with these guys. And my just my other reflection on that one was just if there's a weakness in this all-black team, and look, they're, they're missing a few of their key players in that game, no doubt. And I think the other thing that everyone probably commented on was, you know, the, for the, a lot of those All Blacks players, they'd had one hell of a long season. You know, you've got the um, you've got the Lions test, then they've gone deep into Super Rugby before they've started a you know a rugby championship that's had them travelling everywhere. Um, so you know, give them a you know um, some respect from from that perspective. <laughs> but I just think that there's just a few weak links mentally there now in that team that that doesn't that there isn't always like. You know, the Dane Coles, the, you know, the Aaron yeah. Smith. There's a few in there, you know, um, Sonny Bill gets a bit wound up and decides to throw a shoulder for no good reason every now and again and, you know, and, and all these sorts of things. And I don't know, that in the McCaw Carter days, you didn't really have that. And I just look across that All Blacks team at the moment and I think there's a bit of mental fragility uh, we haven't seen there for a little while, um, or at least that's what I <laughs> there's my hope. But I, I think we definitely saw that anyway in Brisbane. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, no we, look, I... we, yeah, we, we quickly on that though, Matt. You've touched on that. I mean, we needed to win that game. Now, I mean, we, we can we can praise the players um, till the cows come home, and, and we will, and we will keep doing so in this podcast. But I mean, if we'd have lost that game, and we almost did, let's face it. I mean, we we came. Mm perilously close, um, it would have been an absolute heartbreaker, so much more than what Dunedin was. Because Dunedin, whilst it was heartbreaking, you know, the All Blacks played well, and the All Blacks won the game and stepped up and did it. And the Wallabies played well as well, but you could sort of go, well, those things happen and the All Blacks are a great side. Um, in this game, I mean, the All Blacks were undermanned and, and they played badly. You know, that they, they, and, and for the reasons you state, Matt, it's been a long season. They had some players missing or all of these very legitimate excuses. But, you know, not only did they play badly, but we had their measure. And, and you said it, Reg. I mean, when, when that happens, when, when you actually get those rare set of circumstances, you've just got to ha- you've got to step up and take it. You've, you, you know, you've just got to win that game. And, you know, we, we tried our best to probably give it away at the end, but luckily we got over the line. But, um, I think it's worth saying that, that, you know, tempering our enthusiasm a little bit, um, even though, you know, I'm, I'm one for, for, for being as enthusiastic as we can. But, you know, you know, like you feel like we, we were still inches away from, from complete and utter heartbreak, don't you? Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you, I think you're right. I think the All Blacks looked pretty terrible. Um, in saying that we had a poor first half, so we probably matched on that states and improved that second half. But if, what's the opposite to temper? Stoke, stoke the fires. You know, how close were we to winning the series? I mean, if it wasn't for some really poor Bernard Foley goal kicking in that second test, could have we won the series 2-1? <laughs> yeah. yeah, if we'd had Quaid in that second test, we would have won. <laughs> no, 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 well, that's a Quaid yeah. thing, mate. But legitimately. Yeah, well, and that's true. And 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 the, I think in terms of the turnaround, um, Matt, and two more things from what you said is, firstly, I mean, I'm pretty sure. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we haven't conceded a yellow card in this in this entire series, and I'm not even sure we've conceded one this year. Um, is mm. is I think Eto 
bull. No, Edo Nabuli didn't get yellow carded, did he? He, but no, he almost did. I, think so. um, I can't remember. He, he should have. Um, but the the other thing is, I think the guy that's got to take a lot of credit, and I think really stepped up in that game, um, particularly on Saturday, was was Michael Hooper. And have, I think you know we we've, we've been a bit skeptical about his leadership, especially in the early days. He's still very young. We forget how young he is, but. You know, I felt like in some of those key moments, he, he really outshone Kieran Reid in terms of keeping his side disciplined, in terms of the tactics used and the time that he went to the corner, Reg. I know you asked him a question in the post-game presser that we can get afterwards, and he really probed that, that one and got a really good response. But And the other yep. thing was the moment I, I really saw in the game was, um, I don't know if you remember when Wayne Barnes brought Reid and Hooper aside and said, look, you know, there's been too much niggle in this game. Go and talk to your teams, where Kieran Reid just basically ignored him and went to the line out, maybe shouted something out, but really didn't do anything. But Hooper took the time, got the team together. You know, I don't know if he actually said, relayed Barnes's message, but he really took the opportunity to get the team together, calm them down, have a chat and get them focused. And we scored from that next phase. And I don't think it was coincidental. And, and so I, I think I'm, 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 he, I feel like he's growing into the role really nicely. And, um, and I think it really showed on Saturday. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. And I was a doubter of Hooper um, previously, but this last probably 18 months, he's won me over. I think even some of that video footage we saw of him with the Waratahs really gave a great insight to him. But I, I am, uh, I think he's exceptional, and I think he will go down as one of our great Wallaby captains. Um, you know, it, it'll take some trophy winning to achieve that, but um, you know, who knows what's coming on? But I, I, I think so. I, th- I think his leadership is exceptional. I, th- I believe he does a lot on it. I think he has some leadership training to some extent, um, which sort of helps him along with his player management and all that sort of stuff. So I, um, I think that's showing through, and I, I think it's a, sort of an exciting time to see him. Um, look, bef- I mean, I'm, we can get on to sort of highlighting some of the individual players. Anything else from the, the performance? Um, more broadly there from the game itself, Matt or Hugh, before we move on to individuals? Yeah, quickly. I think I think looking back and, and, and stepping, comparing this team now to what the Waratahs were in 2014, and I know we love talking about, me and Matt certainly love talking Jesus about Jesus Christ. But, but, <laughs> but, but we're into that. The best checker so. team. Well, what a stretch. <laughs> yeah, go on, sorry. When checker when gets his teams rolling, um, and 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 the great checker teams. The the thing that that sums them up perfectly is is a, it's about attitude, and it's about getting off the ground and 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 getting into position for the next phase. It's about making those getting up in defence and making those big hits, and it's about being there in support. Um, and I think that was the primary. If you know you had to have a checker game. That, that game on Saturday is the prime one you use where, you know, there, there wasn't necessarily brilliant tactics involved. There was, you know, there was, there was a good adaptability in the tack and there was, you know, some nice things that were tried. But really it was pretty simple. It was just good, hard, direct running from the forwards. It was hands through the back line, um, and some nice little starter players, but nothing too elaborate. Um, but mainly it was about attitude. It was about hard, hard contact at the breakdown. It was about enthusiasm in defence, and it was about just getting up and going again. And I, I think that was what summed up that Wallaby performance for me on Saturday. And that's where Michael Checker starts to get into people's heads and see, and we can yeah. see the Lucan Tui's coming and really responding, and we can yeah. see Jack Dempsey really responding, and some of these players that on paper really shouldn't be playing that well against the All Blacks, but actually turn up and turn in these big performances. I think, I mean, we can only hope that that can continue, and we can continue to see growth. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the attitude was the standout, and that's what I want to see from my Wallaby team. You know, I, I don't care about the big, you know, it's great to see running rugby and all that sort of stuff, but I just want to see the right attitude when you play a test match, particularly when you play the All Blacks. Um, so, yeah, that was great to see. Look, before we get on to the next question, I will have to go back. So I've done some research for you, uh, Hugh, there. So our last yellow card was... Uh, in the, which test is this? The Italy test. So Toby Smith got a yellow card late in that game. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, he did. If you remember, Trump, yeah. Bernard Foley got a yellow versus Scotland. I think, was that a deliberate knockdown? Uh, um, and then Izzy Falau got a yellow in that first test versus Fiji. So none in the rugby championship, all in those uh, sort of June series there. Um, okay, moving on, lads. We're going to get into the next burning question, which is more the specifics of 
on field. So it's almost a two prong. But let's just focus on um, you know the, the good individual performance. Who, who stood out for you on the ground for the Wallabies? And I I want to flow on to how we feel about the team. And you know, are there any still areas of concern from that team's perspective? So Matt, from your perspective, any the individual standout for you? Well, look, I can see why Jack Dempsey walked away with the Seiko. Um, probably, I, I think maybe he gets uh, cut a little, a little bit of slack there in that we're all, you know, we're all hoping he does well because we're looking for someone to fill that role maybe. Um, but I, and I agree though, he had a very good game, but I still don't think he sh- shaded, um, the T3000, um, Sean McMahon, uh, in, in that match. I, I still think Sean McMahon, Wow, what he brought in, in, in physicality and the best example. He's done it yet again. We, we need to come up with some sort of phrase for, des- for describing the late in the match Sean McMahon run. This time it was in the 68th minute when it looked like, you know, he, he trucked it up. He had, I think, like a prop or a second row around his ankles and he just kind of shrugged him off, ran on another 20 meters. Someone else got hold of him and then he, you know, he, he broke out of, Three tackles that should have taken, or four tackles that should have taken him down, just to keep keep going. And for me, that just summed up his whole game. Uh, then then those those two times the ball went over the back. Um, I think they were on All Black throws, and McMahon came in from nowhere and just jumped on that head first. You know, didn't care about his body at all. I just, you know, in uh, in this pretty much this whole series that he's been playing in, and, and he's been doing big minutes as well. I think he's has he done eighty for the last few tests. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, he's been, he's been putting in a lot, a lot of time, and and that's for somebody who, I mean, I was um, sat next to um, the father of a wallaby, actually, um, of a recent wallaby um, at the match, and he was saying, you know, old Shawnee, as we all know, but you know, has had a lot of injury problems. You know, that battle, that body has taken a lot of battering. Um, you know, could well be, if you'd guess, a reason why he might be looking at Japan for a bit of a, a you know, a rest on the body because I think he's had some. Some, some some big problems and so to be putting in an 80 minutes like that in an in a Bledisloe um, is just unbelievable. The the Im- impact he makes um, is 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 quite astounding. The thing about McMahon is, uh, watchman, it was I reckon it was just before that big run of his. I watched him and he looked out on his feet. I've I've seen this a number of times. You know mm. this rugby championship. He just gives his absolute all, and you see him at times when it's a break or a scrum or a line at. And he's, it's like me walking up a flight of stairs. He is on his haunches and, you know, really sucking in the big ones. But then he produces a play like that. And, it, and, and that's that attitude we talk about. And that's, you know, that's what we want from our players. That was unbelievable. I agree. That was a, um, a you know, a fanta- another fantastic performance from McMahon. And, you know, it makes you just cry out to hope that one way or the other, I think there's some complicated negotiations going on that he, he at least remains available for Australia. I don't know what the deal is, but. Uh, yeah, he he's been fantastic this rugby championship and kept it off. That was clearly, you know, his best performance versus the All Blacks, which was great. Uh, Hugh, what about you, mate? Um, it was a game with with not too many, you know, awesome standouts, wasn't it? I mean, it was a yeah. it was a pretty yeah. solid performance from everyone. I mean, except probably I could argue our ten, our nine, ten, twelve combination was probably a bit below their best, but that's that's probably not not uh, the the point of this question. Um, in terms of uh, taking the theme of Sean McMahon and, and people that we probably can take for granted a little bit, um, I think the guy that probably I need to talk about is Israel Folau. Um, yep. And we're going to get to him in, in a bit more detail later in the show, but uh, you know uh, he does this thing every time, and I, I, I said this on the forum this week where I don't understand how it works, and, and I, you know my basic knowledge of rugby physics is 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 um, sort of goes everything everything that Israel Folau does is counter to that because he every time every kick return he has every time he has the ball he goes in bolt upright and he doesn't even accelerate that much he's just sort of jinks into the line. And there's a flat wall of all black defenders every time and, and he kind of comes in at half speed and you're thinking he's going to get monstered here. He's going to get absolutely smashed. And yet somehow he steps off his right and <laughs> jinx a bit and he's still upright, but he manages to beat one defender and carry two more over the advantage line and make 10 meters almost every time. Um, it, it must be his thighs and his stride length and all of this other thing, but I, I just, it's just a marvel. And, you know, in two of the three tries that we scored, he was, he was either, you know, obviously the one he scored himself, um, and, 
the the one that he set up for Marika Korobiti, where he just every time he just takes those first two steps and can get on the outside of almost every single defender in world rugby, and that was all he needed in in that in that move where you know it was a beautiful set play in, in its simplicity, which was basically let's get our two best ball runners. Um, in front of their two worst defenders and give them as much space on the field as we can. And we ended up with Marika and, and Falau in about 35 metres of space against Naholo and McKenzie. And, and all Falau needed to do was take those two steps. He got on the outside of Naholo and he just sucked McKenzie in two steps. Um, and that was all he needed. He, he, he then just put, put the foot down and then put Marika in the corner at the perfect time. It was a lovely piece of play that he makes look so easy but um, we just take it for granted and not to mention a few other amazing plays where he breaks the line gets offloads away or or just carries those two or three defenders far past where he normally should I, I just think he's a he's a wonderful wonderful player and I don't think we um, we really recognize that enough we I think we've become a bit immune to it um, sometimes but um, he you know you could argue and you know the the report card guys had this debate. You know he he probably is in career best form, which is which is wonderful to see. So I think he was probably the the guy I want to give a shout out to. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's a number of times he would kind of he, he runs sideways, and it looks like he's crowding his winger. But I, I, I don't. Yeah, you're right. It's the size of his stride or something. He just somehow puts the defenders off, and he he still managed to break or you know put a fairly solid dent in that defensive line and. And um, just get that wallaby sort of momentum going forward. It's astounding. Um, look, I'll mention Dempsey. Um, I've been again, <laughs> a bit like Hooper, something about these Waratah back rowers, not convinced about Dempsey. And, I, and I'm, I'm with you, Matt, and, and, you know, it wasn't the blow-away performance. But, geez, I was impressed. There's an interview with him a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember what it was, but maybe it was before they went away on that sort of South African, New Zealand, South African, Argentina tour, where he said, he described me himself as, you know, I'd have to paraphrase, you know, the dumb one. I just put my head down and put, get the work done. And that, I kind of like that, you know, because I think that's, it's, you know, the Sam Scott Young type thing. When he, Sam always played sensationally against the All Blacks because that's all he did. He was just dumb. He just put his head in places where it wasn't meant to go and he, you know, he was just mad and aggressive and, and that's a bit what we saw with Dempsey last night. Um, sorry, on, on Saturday night. He he just did the hard work and, you know, he, he made strong little runs, good little footwork, Get just get over the advantage line. Uh, a lot of impact there and a, a huge, you know, really, really strong uh, work ethic, which was fantastic. And then sort of hearing him interviewed post-game, just a you know, just a really solid bloke. You know, no pretension about him. He he knows his place in the team. He knows what he's there to do. Um, and he just you know, really impressive. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I don't think he's the long term answer. You know, he may end up playing a number eight position if none goes. I don't know. I'd, you know, there's still a few options there, but I just really impressive bloke. And, and hopefully, I think we've all said it. Great to see uh, you know a strong performance there. We need it sort of repeat games, but. Um, you know, him at the end of that game, who's another one similar to McMahon, he came into the press conference, Dempsey, and, and could barely move. He'd thrown his body into the, the sort of the all-black uh, pack so so resolutely, and um, his body was feeling the effect. So, yeah, shout-out to Dempsey. So I thought that was a, you know, you want your, you want people standing up for those all-black games. You need guys at the very best. It was great to see a young player do that. And, and recognising that was his... First of a game versus the All Blacks, I think Luke Allen too is too. So it's it's good to change that flow, that positive mindset um, to these guys who have now, you know, have got a hundred percent record versus the All Blacks and will for the next, you know, six nine months until we play them again, and hopefully that prolongs. But I I do think that's a great mentality, a boost for them moving forward. Um, uh, you know, they've never lost to the All Blacks, albeit the one game, but that's the type of mindset we mean, and that's why that Dempsey comment about him being a bit dumb is he doesn't. You know, he doesn't get care about the bullshit or the awe or the all blacks and all that sort of stuff. He just wants to play rugby, and I, I, I like that approach. And um, hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll see him continue that on for a little while longer. Well, I know you're quick, going to quick, look at quick a comment, bit of a Reg. Joke. Sorry, yep. um, who's going to go? On, who, who, who wants to give shit to me first? Go on, yeah. No, well, you mentioned him. I just thought I'd get you, your quick thoughts on Luke Cantui because, um, you know, n- not by no means man of the match, but I thought, um, geez, he, he um, looks like a very, very enticing prospect, doesn't he? Uh, he's, he's he's super exciting, and I, I think he, he has showed in every cameo he's made at Test Rugby um, that he's up to it. I'm not saying he, he should start, 
but you know he's a great prospect from the bench. And mate, remembering he, what is he? I don't know, twenty one, twenty two. He's only been playing the game for four or five years. Um, but I'm super excited as a Reds fan. But for what he did with the Wallabies, his, and I think he made an impact every time he's run. I think this was his longest due to the injury to Simmons, longest sort of time on the field for the Wallabies, and he held his own superbly. Um, and I guess that the key moment was that kickoff at the end, wasn't it, when he secured that under immense pressure um, at that critical moment. So, yeah, very exciting uh, young player and massive man. Mm. And, and my only comment was going to be there following on, Reg. I know you're making a joke about the uh, guys with 100% records against the All Blacks, but um, it, it is actually a really important point mentally, isn't yeah. it? And it, when you think yep. about it throughout this uh Series. I mean, you know, second half in Sydney, uh, yep. Dunedin. I don't think anyone would walk away from that who played in that game thinking, "Well, oh, we got we got beaten up," but you know, quite yep. the opposite. And then we've done it in Brisbane. So, and and there's a whole bunch of young guys, you know, like you know, like Dempsey, like Tui, those sorts of guys coming through that that team now, who you know, getting injected. You know, Reese Hodge. I mean, that's a, that's yep. a, they they are massive uh, confidence builders. Like to 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 be yep. on the park against the All Blacks for two and a half matches out of three, and to walk off thinking, well, we at least matched it with them, if not shaded them. That's a. I mean, when's yeah. the last time you could say that any Aussie, any Wallabies team has done that? Um, yeah. And so, you know, if there's, I mean, God, we could be counting our chickens again. But um, you know, if there's a chance, you know, if if the, this is the sort of chance you need as a bit of an, an inflection or a turning point in. How you know how we stack up against these guys? Yeah, it, it's interesting. It takes me back, and Hugh, you won't remember this. Matt, you probably got a better memory than I do. But back in the um, early '80s in cricket, when we lost um, Greg Chappell and Rod Marsh and, and Dennis Lilly in Australian cricket, and we had a Rebel two in there, and Australian cricket died. You know, we had Alan Board and not much else there, and they they really struggled. And I think Bob Simpson came in, the coach, and what he decided to do is is he just wanted tough players. He didn't know how. You know, didn't know how, didn't care how experienced they were. He just wanted tough players, and that's why Steve Waugh came in as a 19-year-old. He was just a tough unit. Murph Hughes, Jeff Marsh, David Boone, these guys who were just tough players who didn't, you know, wouldn't get caught up about. You know, that was on the back of Kim Hughes sort of retiring, crying, all that sort of stuff. Wouldn't care about who they're facing, the, the Kirtley Ambrose, all that sort of stuff. He just wanted attitude players, and you get that sense with the likes of McMahon and Dempsey and Hodge and all these sorts of guys. They are they seem like fairly uncom- uncompromising physical guys with the, with the right attitude. So it's um, we'll see how it builds, um, but uh, it was a, it was an exciting to see them out there, um, guys. I'm going to go into question four now because it kind of links. It's the Indigenous jersey. Um, a lot of, uh, I guess, social media chat and, and sort of public support for the, keeping that full time. Um, Hugh, what's your thoughts? Did you like the jersey? And, and, and what do you think it, its role is moving forward? Loved it, Reg. I loved it. I've got a very specific proposal. And this is what I think Australian rugby should do. So here it is. Um, I, I, not a full-time thing. I think that that just takes away. It's, it's, it's what makes it special. Um, and I think, um, you know, we've got to respect in, in many ways the tradition of, of the Wallabies and the jersey that we've had um, in, in, in the recent history of the, of the Wallabies. Um, but I love it once a year. And now, so I think it should be played, we should wear it once a year at, at the Brisbane Bledisloe um, and have old, and the bloke that did the yeah. uh, Welcome to Country, <laughs> he can come back next year and do it again. Um, and now there's a, there's a couple of important things that, that will flow on from this. Um, firstly, I think it should be a different design every year. It should be a different Indigenous designer um, can 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 have, use it as a canvas with you know the gold background and and do a different design on it. And what that means Which is the, red, not only does, the Reds do with their Indigenous jersey, yeah. Yeah, and and it's it's fantastic, and I think the Wallabies actually, I think the yellow background just makes it look even better, which is why oh, I think great. it's yeah, so well yep. received. But but the the other thing that that does is it means it's a collector's item, you know, it yep. means people can rack up jerseys every year and come and wear the old, old ones to the new games, and and I think that you know you don't want to think of it as a cynical marketing exercise because I'm going to raise that in point too, but it, it certainly is something that, I mean, God, I've, I've been trying to buy one myself, but um, that, that that's one thing. I think if you had a different design every year to refresh it and tell a different story, it would be really amazing. And I think the second thing, and I think um, we might talk about what the ARU seems to have suggested they're going to do, but I think a portion of the jersey sales should go towards Lloyd McDermott um, and Indigenous rugby 
rugby development. I think that's a that's a real no brainer as well. So I mean, I think it's the yeah, you are absolutely kicked kicked a big goal here, and I think um, if they can set it up right, that this can be a fantastic tradition that we do every year, and um, and roll on year on year, and and really hope to kick some goals in terms of Indigenous rugby as well. Yeah, brilliant, Matt. What about you? What's your thoughts? Well, I mean, I had Cameron Klein designed it, you. Um, but, uh, <laughs> no, look, I, I, um, I was gonna just, I mean, I think Hugh's, uh, you know, suggestion there is so well thought out. How could I, yeah. I couldn't really, I couldn't really argue against it. But I, I guess well, just I, to talk Nick, just our producer, can you just grab a grab of that little, um, segment there? That <laughs> you'll never segment. hear it again. And I'll just use that as my, maybe the new introduction for the show, actually. That's probably so. <laughs> um, but yeah, what I did feel was for some reason, I, I don't know why, um, that yeah, just a whole, I don't know, a whole lot of our Australian identity kind of, kind of came together a bit there. Um, where, you know, rugby unions are pretty, has been sort of, you know, uh, historically, you know, it's, it's this private school, um, you know, mm-hmm. sort of, uh, background. We still yep. talk about in, in Sydney, you know, East, you know, uh, eastern suburbs and north, northern suburbs versus, you know, the re- basically the rest of Sydney and, and all that sort of stuff. But, and the, the truth is there's been, um, you know, a lot of people of color and indigenous people, especially, you know, coming into rugby and it have been through, you know, throughout the years and some of our best players. But I think we've struggled for how to knit that all together and really accept it and own it and, and, you know, Q, you said yourself, like, you know, the, the welcome to country sometimes, did it feel like it was part of it or did it feel like we were kind of doing a bit of rote learning? Um, and the same way you've got to say the All Blacks have well and truly taken the Harker and made it their own and maybe even then some, it kind of felt, I felt for the first time, we really built that into our identity on the weekend. Um, um, I, I agree that probably doesn't mean you need to do it and keep the jersey for every match, but I think it's definitely something that shouldn't be just a flash in the pan. And, yeah, I don't know why. It just made me feel very different about, um, you know, how our Indigenous Aboriginal culture kind of builds into our national identity there rather than, I don't know, rather than just being a, a, an afternote. Yeah, Mark, both of you have expressed excellently my feelings as well i mean hugh i think your idea is brilliant matt your point there is bang on i was concerned and there was a bit of social media chat about should we keep and my feeling was oh it still feels a little bit disingenuous that you know we haven't you know we've been pretty average as a sport in terms of engagement with that culture and, and even as players and so on and um you know i had some concerns that it was all a bit of marking it up but you know, I think you can get around this and you use this as a bit of a uniting force. And even looking at the program, and there's some great young players. Like Moses Sarovi from the Reds, is a, I think he's a Torres Strait boy. And Harrison Goddard from the, the Rebels and the Rising is a sensational young scrum. He's an uh, Aboriginal heritage and Mahalia Murphy and these sorts of guys. So there is some exciting talent come through. And, and um, Moses Longbottom, uh, Morris Longbottom from the Sevens is, is going to be a sensation on the Sevens circuit. Um, so, you know, we're seeing them. I hope we can really use those guys as ambassadors for the game and, and really embrace that culture. But, Matt, uh, sorry, Hugh, I think your suggestion there is bang on. And I think we've just seen some news come through, which will be in the paper by the time everyone listens to this, is that the IAU are likely to keep it as a, have it as an annual jersey so not every game but once a year still talk about how often it's used and which games and all that sort of stuff but um uh on the back of that sort of really positive flow and i think jersey sales have been huge they've sold out people can't get them so um it definitely caught the eye with you know guys like anthony mundine and the like um really getting behind it for what that's worth but um gosh if we can tie it back with uh the lord mcdermott program the lloydies and all that sort of stuff that's that's an awesome idea um, and a broader reconciliation plan. So that's that's great. It's good to see. I think we're all on the same page there. It's just how it's used um, appropriately. Um, all right, let's move on from uh, those games last week and, and move forward to this week. And this weekend, uh, we have this Barbarians game versus the Wallabies at Sydney there Saturday afternoon at, I think it's 3 p.m. at the uh, SFS or whatever it is now. Um, question is, what's the point... Hugh, you are you supporter of the event? What, what's your feeling? Are you going along? I'm not going along because I'm because I'm um, actually away on holidays. But but the um, 
I, I probably would, to be honest. And there is actually a little bit of enthusiasm among my friendship circles in Sydney um, to, to go and see this test. I think, you know, given the Wallabies' good form of late, there's a bit of a buoyant mood around them. And, and you know, even though Sydney, we get the mid-year test and then we get the Bledisloe, you feel like you probably still can, can go again for a third for a third time around. So I think um, I think there is a, actually a little bit more... Um, I don't think they'll, they'll, they'll get a huge crowd there. I don't think, you know, Allianz can take 40,000. I think, I think they might, you know, get 25, um, which is probably not bad considering the quality of players on the field. Um, look, I, I understand the cynicism about this game and certainly, you know, I've read your comments, Reg, and obviously Brett Mackay on the Raw as well, who said, but, you know, questioning the purpose of this game, but, but, you know, I, I I kind of see the value in the sense of a you know almost looks like a, a possibles versus probables game in in many ways and and giving some of our um some of our lesser lights a, a chance to shine before the spring tour. I mean, I'm actually really excited to see um how our team goes. The guys like Jordan Ulacy, um Lucan Tui, um you know seeing the return of Carmichael Hunt, um a guy like um Michael Ruru who looks to be playing for the for the for the Barbarians, um you know Kyle Godwin's coming back and and um, Curtis Roan is going to get another run you know th- there's there's a number of interesting little storylines that, that I'm actually really looking forward to seeing seeing how they go and yes the game might be a bit Mickey Mouse and obviously yeah, the Alan Jones sideshow is going to going to be a part of it but you know in terms of the value to the Wallabies going forward I think it's a really good opportunity for some of these young players to, to get a to get a bit of a, a chance on the bigger stage and to see what they can do um, and and that's why I'll be tuning in to watch the game and I think you know I think there will be a bit of interest. It's not the best barbarian side, but you know, I, I think a, a, an end of season exhibition game, given given where we're at at the moment, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't think it's the worst idea. Though I though I recognise the arguments on, on the other side. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know what the excitement is about it. I, maybe it's a Saturday afternoon game. I, look, I, I, I'm so far again. I, I just don't get it. I don't get this game at all. I, I, no, I take that back. I get it. There's obviously big money behind it. It's a third-party promoter who's come and obviously given a bit of money to the RU. I would, I would suggest a fair chunk of money to the RU. I, I, you know, you, you talk about possibles versus probable. It's, it's, it's not even that. It's possibles versus maybe. You know, that it's going to be a second-string Aussie team. There'll be Izzy Folau there and a, and a bunch of guys who've just been in the squad versus a Barbarians team that is, you know, filled with forced players because Alan Jones feels sorry for them. And a, and a couple of has-been international players, Nani Williams and Pop Gitter and stuff like that. I, you know, I don't get that. And we want to see, you know, great, you know, we want to see, um, what, Curtis Ryan and Luke Antui. Let them play the NRC. And you guys know my perception of the NRC. I'm a big fan of the event. And, but this is the last the NRC. This is, you know, this isn't an AIU-owned tournament. Why are they not supporting it? I mean, this the teams for the Barbarians and the Australian Wallabies or whatever they're calling him, Liam Wright playing for the Wallabies. I mean, this guy's 19, a super talent, and he's he's been wonderful for Queensland country. But let him play for Queensland country. They've got a big game with his per spirit. This you know this decides final placings. This game up in Ipswich on on Sunday afternoon. But now, as it turns out, Queensland country, you know, they won't have Duncan Payua, they won't have Liam Wright, they won't have Seth Fahagazi, they won't have Taniela Tupo, they won't have Izzy Parisi. Per spirit, won't have Richie Arnold, they won't have Michael Ruru, they won't have Izzy Nasarani, you know, they won't have Curtis Rona, they won't have Billy Meeks. This game is now, it, it's a, the NRC game is, which should have been one of the games of the tournament, is now just crap to be quite frank and you know the same with Brisbane City versus New South Wales country which is that game decides who makes the finals it's fourth versus fifth basically and then New South country Wales country don't have you know Jake Gordon and Sam Ward and and um, Kyle Godwin and Brisbane City don't have Quade Cooper and Andrew Reading. It's a meaningless you know it's still a meaningful match but it's been taking all the the key players out of it I, I just for what you know, for literally what? The, the Wallabies don't need a game, which is evidenced by the fact that Michael Check is resting half of them. It, it's just a joke, and this bullshit about Alan Jones. It, it's, you know, it's trying to get, it's getting someone, what's the old saying? Better have them inside the tent pissing out than outside the tent pissing in. And that's and that's what this stinks of to me. I, I, I just don't get this event game whatsoever. It's just, it's it's carnival stuff, and it, it it's bastardising the AU's own product, and it just, it you know, I don't know. People enjoy it, and good for you if you could Got tickets go along and joy, but I I can't get into it. I think it's I think it's you know waste of time. How about you, Matt? What's your feelings? 
so yeah, so I've got a spare ticket, Reg. Do you want to come and join me? <laughs> down here. Uh, Lounge. Yeah. Look, I, 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 I was going to wander into this sort of going, yeah, well, you know, there's a bunch of players in there who haven't got, had much of a run out in the Wallaby squad. Gives them a chance to get out there and play together. Um, you know, check, get it, you know, just have another look at those guys, you know, give them a bit of game time at, at that sort of a level um, until I got your impassioned plea there, Rich. Um, and I'm, I'm a bit scared. I'm a bit scared what would happen if I went with that view. Um, look, I, I don't, I, I can't see, I'd be really surprised to hear how much money that this Barbar's game is actually going to make. Um, anyway, I mean, maybe if it was a, I think the way they, they tend to use it in the, um, in the UK is, uh, yeah, and, and, but they tend to, you know, it tends to be when they're trying to get a, a team together to go off on tour and it gives them a, you know, a good test, um, or a slightly better test and yeah, you get right. some, you get yeah. some good names usually, um, some you know, and, and, and a pretty good mix. Whereas this is very much like a yeah, like um, well, a development squad plays. A, a yeah, squad. I mean, there's a Barbarians game next week, I think, in Twickenham or something, isn't there? In two weeks' time, so that's where the big guns are. And as for you know, getting the Wallabies ready for the, they play Japan next week. With all due respect, I mean, we don't need. We played the All Blacks last week. We played Japan next week. We don't need another game to get ourselves ready for Japan. Mm. Sorry, God. <laughs> Um, okay, no. I'll go with whatever you say, mate. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on quickly. Enjoy the game. Get out in there, watch it. Last well, question. Well, okay. Yeah. So, like, like so quickly, go. Rich. Quickly to go back on that. Yep. Like, I think an end of season Mickey Mouse exhibition game is is not the worst idea. I agree with you. That the timing's horrible. Um, but you know, there's something about something about to, to get back to the roots and why we love rugby and just have a bit of a you know a, a game where the design is to fling it around a bit and give the people something to watch. I mean, I I can see the appeal in that if even if I agree the execution's a little bit um, wonky. But uh, you know, if it actually it, some of these barbarians games actually turn out to be horrible. But if it's a if it's a good game and everyone plays in the right spirit, I think it could actually be something to watch. Yeah, great. If people want to go watch rugby where they fling it around a bit and have a bit of fun. And, and you know, enjoy themselves. Go watch the NRC guys. You guys are missing some good rugby. As it is, look, you know, the the, the Barbarians played the Classic Wallabies tonight, Tuesday night in Lismore, and I, I support that. That was a that was a gain that was to help support you know the, the rebuild the, the Lismore flood fund and, and so on, and, and that's great. And I love those levels of games and Lottie Dakiri and Drew Mitchell and, and those sorts of guys um, going out to the regions and, and, and re-engaging with them. And Steve Hall's a big man behind that. That's great. Um, so I support that. It's just, you know, Saturday's game just seems... Maybe it is just the timing, mate, but I, 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 if you, I don't know where else I'd fit it in. And regardless, it seems seems uh, a step beyond. But uh, anyway... Um, Last question, guys. Israel Falau, so he's got to be rested from the uh, from the the spring tour. Um, is that a good thing overall? Does he deserve the break? Should we be really pushing him so that we, you know, we want to beat England and all this sort of stuff, or does it give us a chance to um, to to build the depth and all that sort of stuff? Um, Matt, what's your feeling on the easy call? Um, yeah, you, you, you broke out a little bit at the end there, but I'm assuming it's me you want to talk to because it'd be my opinion. Yes, Matt, please. Here. Um, um, look, at the end of the day, if it means we get managed to keep hold of Izzy, um, you know, and, you know, elongate this career and whatever else it is, then yeah, it's, it's undoubtedly, there there was no choice for Checker to to make there really. Um, I don't think he had much of a choice by the sounds of things. Um, with Izzy's negotiating power, he could pretty much tell you what he wants to do. Um, the guy's been playing a fair bit of rugby, uh, you know, Keeping him injury free and keeping him interested is is a great thing. I also think you know we've got some options there. Um, yeah, you know, like like Reese Hodge. Um, actually, this is where I get to wangle this in because I'd I'd forgotten to mention it earlier on. Yes, yes. Um, yep. I mean, Reese Hodge, his exit uh, on the seventy sixth minute, um, which was a kind of a rushed exit. I mean, it went fifty meters, and it basically leads to that fifty three meter penalty. Um, and I just, you know, you, you think about the difference that he, well, he said, A, his exit going 50 metres on a, on a tight angle, and then B, the fact that he can kick a 53-metre penalty. Um, that's a massive difference to anybody's game Huge. versus, yep. you know, versus the little pop gun, um, and then, well, and then even if you got the shot, then missing it. 
Um, so, you know, you know, giving him a bit more of a run, it potentially opens up other things. I think Carmichael Hunt's um, putting his hand up for 15. Um, mm. Even Beal, even Beal can play 15 um, and and play it quite well. So, you know, which maybe would, you know, maybe you put Hunt at 12. I don't know. So, look, I think there's a lot of different options there. Um, I don't think it. It's like um, we're left exactly high and dry, and you know if, if Izzy needs a bit of that, you know, headspace um, and uh, you know whatever it is to you know to get fresh for next season. I think um, it's yeah, it's, it's a no-brainer. It's an interesting one, Hugh, isn't it? We 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 without like we said, Izzy's been in, in career best form, but we can probably cover his position then better than we could if it was Foley or Hooper. Who went down or, or couldn't tour, don't you think? I, I feel comfortable with Hunt playing back there and he and Bill swapping or, you know, maybe Tom Banks gets a go, but, uh, I, I'd worry significantly if Foley and, and Hooper or Hooper weren't available. Yeah, yeah, look, you, you're right. And actually, you know, I'm not too actually frustrated about this. And I think it's no. actually a win, it's a win for Australian rugby in one weird way because his clause actually allowed him to go and take up a contract in Japan. And, yep. In fact, what he's done is he's opted to turn that down and just take the time resting. And I think that's, that's, yeah, given if, if I had to choose between him playing in Japan and him resting, I'd take him resting 10 times out of 10. I think, you know, the, the end of year two is important, but certainly I think we can absorb him not being there. And, and if it leads to his better performance in the long run, then I'm certainly think it's, it's probably a good move. Um, and he has played a lot of rugby going back, you know, to, to that. To that World Cup really was the last time he got injured, and even then he only really missed one or two games. So, you know, he he, he has been on the field a lot in the past two years or so. So, I think it's 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 good time to take good time to to take some um, time away and hope he comes back next year refreshed. And 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 I think it's something that we should think more about with our other players as well um, on the end of year tour. Guys like you know, you do mention Hooper and Foley, and it was something that we were planning on talking about tonight. I know we didn't get a huge amount of time yeah. to do it, but but those depth in key positions. I mean, I think you know we we, we shudder a bit if if Bernard Foley gets injured because there really isn't anyone there, and I'd, I'd like to see. Yeah, as much as I want to win every game that we, we come up against Reg, I mean, I know last year we did have that game against France where we kind of sat 12 people down and still actually managed mm. to win the game, um, which mm. was, which was pretty astounding. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Michael Checker start to do something like that again because, yeah, we've had this long season that's, that's been pretty attritional. And actually our injury toll has been amazingly light. Um, I've made that point before, but it has been a fantastic, you know, fantastically lucky season in many ways. But, you know, I'd like to see a, a you know, a guy, whoever is our backup 10, and I, I couldn't even tell you who it is at this stage, and we might know a bit more after Barbarians, but, um, you know, a backup 10 get a run, give a backup 9 a go, whether that's Phipps or Gordon or, or Joe Powell, um, Give them a run. Give you know some of the young props a run as well. Um, you know the, the, these these areas where I think you know we're developing good depth, but there's still a few areas where you know um, I, I, I think ten and twelve is 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 a weakness, and we probably should be shoring it up. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, we'll see a bit of Duncan Pau in there, which is um, it will be interesting to see how we develop. Uh, look, I, I agree with all that. I, I, I'm happy with it. Yeah, is he having a bit of a break and excited about the potential new faces we see there? Um, lads, we're going to wrap it up, but just to touch on some of the rugby activity, we talked about the Barbarians game. Um, the Central Coast Sevens, which is a, a fantastic Sevens tournament this weekend, is well, and the Aussie teams, uh, both the men and women's send teams, so the women's send are pretty much a full-strength team, and yeah, that, I think we'll see Emma Tonegado make a re- return from injury in that team, and Demi Hayes, but with the same names of, of Alicia Quirk and Charlotte Casley, and all those sorts of people. So really exciting uh, for that. And then the men uh, have a couple of teams, including this Morris Long, but I talked about his one to really watch if you haven't caught, caught up with him yet. Um, a sensational talent. And Jesse Parra is making his comeback as well. So um, that, that'll be live streamed, I think, on, if you, I don't know, Central Coast 7 somewhere, but that's that's worth watching. And then the NRC. So the final round of the NRC and last round was was incredible. So the first three games were complete upsets, upsets with, um, uh, with Queensland Country beating Fiji Drua over in Fiji, um, the Rams beating Brisbane City in Brisbane, and then, gosh, the Sydney Rays beating Perth Spirit over in Perth. Um, so it, it, there's still plenty of up in the air for this weekend. New South Country, New South Wales Country hosts Brisbane City on Saturday. Uh, I forget where that is. Um, Orange, I believe that is. Um, Fiji Drua are hosting Sydney Rays. Now, the in- interesting thing there is Fiji 
I think, lose their internationals. So they're getting ready for their end-of-season trip, and I think they've gone into camp. So Drura will be weakened. Um, so maybe a chance for Sydney Rays there, hot after their big win over Perth City, Perth Spirit last weekend. The Rams are hosting the Vikings. The Rams beat Brisbane sitting, but the Vikings are gun hot off a bye. Um, and then that's on Sunday. And then Sunday afternoon, Queensland Country versus Perth Spirit, which I've already talked about, should be an epic encounter because it's Perth Spirit's last roll of the dice. It should, will it secure Queensland Country, um, the minor premiership? And of course, it is a horror little challenge match, shield challenge match with Queensland Country winning that last weekend in Fiji. So uh, a good last round of, of um, the NRC before the finals next weekend, despite the fact um, there'll be many stars playing in Sydney in that wonderful encounter between Barbarians and Australia. Um, anything else, lads? Anything else we want to bring up before we uh, end this schmozzle of a podcast? Oh, jeez. So talk the podcast, that was a schmozzle. One of the better schmozzles. I'm all my rambling, so I apologise. Yeah. Yeah. Anything, yeah. anything else grind your gears lately, Reg? Can, we, can, we <laughs> can I talk about 14-year-old uh, sons for little children for a little while? No, we'll leave that. Different podcast. This is a very good uh, podcast. I mean, Hugh actually came up with a good idea. I mean, you know, so put that in. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. 350 podcasts and we got there. Yeah, well, look, it's a shame that you know when when I lose the recording and and have to go solo and and uh, and you know I can I can basically take all of your views and 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 warp them again. Yeah, we missed right, actually, Rich, we miss your yep, we missed sorry. your rant on Corabidi as well. That one's lost to the annals, uh, lost to the lost in the ether yes. as well. One of the one another great Rich rant. I'm sure you conveyed yeah. it well though, Hugh. <laughs> yeah. I think he alluded to it. That was fine. Um, all right, lads. Thanks for your time, Matt and Hugh. Uh, to all our listeners, thanks for uh, checking in. Don't forget to um, uh, rate us on YouTube. Oh, not YouTube. Where are we? Uh, iTunes. Um, and leave us uh, leave us a review and all that sort of stuff. It helps helps with the uh, with the numbers and all that. But um, thanks for checking in, and we'll catch you next week. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be at the beer. <laughs> <laughs>